will never become more distinctly aware of how many times you say um until you start a podcast and then you try to edit out as many as you possibly can. Welcome back to Hate Spinnerbait, the podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love easy products. Oh, I was kind of hoping that might be your tagline. That's that's perfect. Yes, I thought about perfect. like maybe meatballs, but then I was like, no. My name is Michael Ann, and with me as always is Bethany. Bethany, how are you today? I'm so good. I'm so excited that we're finally on my all-time fave, Sarah Dessen, even though as we're about to see, there's a character in this novel. <laughs> Finally, the only book I think I've ever read where my name has been in it, and she's a bitch, and that's disappointing, especially because she literally even like looks like me. If I know the description. I'm like, no. I was, <laughs> I was reading it, and I was like, oh my god. So like, I, I was telling Bethany before we started recording that I have like no memory of this book. I know I read it because the easy products thing came back to mm-hmm. me like. Like w- once she read the letter and it was like easy products, I was like, oh my God, I remember this so vividly, but that's like pretty much all I remember. And so I for- t- totally forgot about the Bethany character. And then it was like, and she has short red hair. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was like, no. Oh, makes me so sad. I mean, I'm still so excited that there is someone named Bethany also already tangent y'all, but I like the rest of the planet have been obsessed with the last of us. And that is another instance. And it's like a very, very side character, but the last episode, uh, episode seven, uh, although today is a new episode. Can't wait to watch that. There was a, a bitchy character named Bethany and that as well. And I was like, why is my name never used? And then like the sparingly few times it is, it's always like the worst person. So that's disappointing Hollywood slash authors out there. Could you please name someone nice, Bethany? I swear I'm like the nicest person. <laughs> Literally the nicest person. Oh, the closest person in um, pop culture that has my name, the closest thing ever is going to be the Ninja Turtle, Michelangelo. So <laughs> mm, that's true, which he's pretty awesome. So yeah, I would be amazed. I honestly feel like Sarah Dessen would name a character Michael Ann because she likes using very unique names. So like maybe one day and I she follows cry. us, maybe like you'll inspire her. <laughs> I would literally cry. Like that would be, I can't even talk about it because I'm just, just, oh my God, can you imagine? Would be, yeah, like that would be honestly so cool. Sarah, Sarah, friend of the show, if you're listening, when she comes on, we're going to be like, hey, girl. Um, we have like some questions, which we're gonna forget to ask you. But also, could you name like your next protagonist, Mike Land, because we think it'd be great. That Thank would be legendary. So legendary. Well, awesome. everyone, since we are on to a new novel, you know what that means. It's a new year. It's time to hop into our time machine and go back to our Lord's year, two thousand and four. So everybody, with me now. <laughs> We're here. It's 2004. The fashion is 
terrible, but there's some great pop culture. Michael Ann, hit us with it. Oh, there is some stuff going on. Honestly, there is so much stuff going on in 2004. It was kind of hard to pick what I was going to talk about. So I made my Instagram posts with all this stuff on it already because I'm like, okay, stay on track. But you know what? I'm probably going to have to add to it. So a couple pop culture moments that happened that were legendary and relevant again today. Ben and Jen broke up. How crazy now that they like are married. It's wild. Can we talk about that, though? Because I really think that's a PR relationship and I don't believe that they're together like I are, Mm -hmm. like actually together. Every time they like, first of all, they call the paparazzi on themselves, which celebrities do all the time. So like whatever. But when they do call the paparazzi on themselves, they are like, she's like forcing it so hard. And it's like just it's hard to believe weird to me like it's so weird to me like so back in the day when they first got together everyone was like oh it's a pr relationship because they had movies coming out that they were gonna be in together and just like everything about them just like didn't fit in people's minds and again i don't know either of these people personally so you know you know i wish um but yeah it was it was weird then and i remember it was like the relationship everybody like loved to hate you know and so Mm -hmm. when they broke up it was like america won like we we were right they weren't meant to be and then to go back years later and now they're married like it's very strange i don't know what to believe but it it just nothing about that relationship has ever made sense in my brain but again i don't know them personally so (laughs) it's true i shouldn't make any blanket statements but it's sketchy and also again not to like act like i'm the knower of all things but i just i don't know i don't think it's gonna i would be amazed just i would be amazed if they actually like lasted yeah i agree so next up the finale of friends aired friends ended it's very big could i talk about that ending for 35 minutes probably i probably could (laughs) Why'd you get off the plane? Honestly, such a big deal. Like, friends ending. If you weren't there in that moment, I, like, kind of miss. I know, like, we sort of have water cooler TV again, as I just mentioned before. Like, the last, like, everyone's talking about The Last of Us around the holidays. Like, everyone's talking about Wednesday. But that's the thing. And SNL did a really great skit about this where it was, it's kind of like, because there are so many options now and there are so many different streaming services Mm -hmm. vying for our attention, that like there isn't that big like culture phenomenons like when Lost like the first season of Lost like everyone was talking about it um when yeah. Friends ended everyone was talking about like different things like that like I miss that kind of like yeah. I miss like like I went over to my friend's house specifically because it was the big series finale of Friends and I like went over and watched it with her because like it was just like such a big deal that this like iconic show or whatever was ending also I'm a bad millennial y'all because like I like Friends I really do like as I just stated I went over to a friend's house to watch it but I am not like a diehard like everyone like I haven't really watched it much mostly because when I do it a lot of it hasn't aged very well which happens with comedy like understandable but yeah I I don't, yeah, I just don't have the obsession for it. I do really genuinely like it. And there are certain episodes I think have really stood the test of time. But overall, I'm just like, "Eh, yeah, it was good. (laughs) Yeah. So growing up, I've mentioned this on the pod before, but we only had one TV. My parents wouldn't let me have a TV in in my bedroom. 
And so we only had the living room TV and my and so I didn't get to watch TV shows like this. So I only watched it as an adult. And I've watched it all the way through, I think only one time because yeah, like you get it gets to a point where you're like, Christ on a cracker, this is not aging well. And then the storylines just get insane and it's like so many the characters become like deeply unlikable in my opinion like ross like i'm not rooting for ross at all by like season three (laughs) so it's and i actually like think he was likable in the beginning like yeah he's neurotic and whatever but yeah i think so many of the characters became like caricatures of themselves like joey's the ladies man and whatever in the beginning but then they like really just made him an idiot and like ross they just really made wine and you're like Oh, like they were people when this show first started, and now they're just like these kind of cardboard cut out, like stand in versions of themselves. And yeah, that's kind of where they lost me. Yeah, it's like they did that in Boy Meets World too. For some reason, I think about this all the time in Boy Meets World, but like for the first couple seasons, Eric was like a suave, very mm-hmm. cool ladies' man. And then all of a sudden, when they like went to college, I think he just becomes like a freaking weird idiot. And then there's, like, that whole, like, he goes from, like, the suave, cool guy to, like, plays with squirrels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it really gets, I think any, and that's the problem with me, and it happens, it tends to happen a lot more with comedies, which is why it's really funny. Me and my husband are very different in, like, TV shows that we watch. He likes, like, comfort food. Like, he likes comedies. And I, like, the reason I don't tend to revisit comedies is because I always think the later seasons are just trash because they're like the writers have kind of run out of stuff. Everyone's turned into a caricature of themselves and and whatnot. And he'll admit like, oh, I only like like the first like five seasons of The Office because after that yeah. it goes downhill. But he'll still like watch like he's a completionist. He has to watch like all like nine seasons till he like goes back and watches. You know, then I'll go back and watch like I Met Your Mother or whatever. And like I enjoy mm-hmm. a sitcom. But first of all, I hate laugh tracks, which a lot of them and of our time, like growing up, had them. Thankfully, they've gone away from that. But I like tend to revisit more like dramatic shows because I think that they tend to age well because usually, not always, but usually drama shows like end while they're still good. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like comedies, they always end up beating a dead horse and it just turns into terribleness at the end. Also, speaking of comedies that didn't age well, How I Met Your Mother has not aged well at all. I rewatched it a couple of years ago because I loved that show. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I was like, during the finale, I was like obsessed. Um, rewatched it recently. Uh, Barney should be in prison. And uh, it did not age well at all. I was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, the finale fucking sucked. And it sucked when it came out. It sucks now. They just totally gave up on that completely. But How I Met Your Father is very good. I only watched like an episode because I was never a big How I Met Your Mother. Mike really liked How I Met Your Mother, but I never was really into it. I've seen certain episodes. I do know how it ends. But I, he was like, oh, I want to give this How I Met Your Father a chance. And then we just like never really went back to it. But maybe we will have to revisit it. I mean, I don't think Hillary Duff can do any wrong. So anything she's in, I watch. Like she did that show Younger, mm-hmm. which was really, really, really good. Personally, yeah. I think I think it was really good. And then yeah, I think this it's like, you know, it's cheesy, it's a sitcom, but I, I still like it. How I met your father. I think it's good. You're like I'm a fan. 
Hillary Duff, we love you. If you'd like to come on the podcast. Hillary <laughs> Duff. Come on down, girl. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a tangent. Yeah, friends really took us down a whole thing. Is anyone surprised? I'm not. No. I went on for like 20 minutes last episode about 90s movies. So are you surprised that I have thoughts on a 90s sitcom aging poorly? No, no, you're not. <laughs> I just want you guys to know I edited last week's episode and I cut out literally 45 minutes of our rants. Things were longer. They were longer rants that y'all missed out. The last two weeks, there were lots of rants that y'all mm-hmm. didn't even get to hear. So if you think we go on tangents, if you were to hear the unedited version. I know, Andrew. So me and Andrew want to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I was like talking to him about like the podcast. And he was like, I think it should only be like 30 minutes long, which I was like, no, it's not going to be 30 minutes That's long. Cute. And I was, he was like, well, it can't be like yours. You're like three hours. And I was like, we record for three hours. But <laughs> The episode is not three hours because, dear God, was that? Oh boy. Oh man. Also, wish me and Andrew luck on our podcasting journey. I'm I'm sending all thoughts and positive vibes. So next up in 2004, the Facebook was launched, and everyone's life was worse for it. Yep. And (laughs) then society crumbled beneath Mark Zuckerberg's feet. Yeah. The only good thing that the Facebook created is the social network. Great film. <laughs> but other than that, if it wouldn't have been created, all of our lives probably would be better for it. But what can you do? What can you do? You know? So some other pop culture stuff. Britney Spears's first perfume fantasy came out. And yes, I had it. Yeah, I also had Curious. I had both. Of course. Gots too. You have to. Ashley Simpson. Oh, yeah. She was caught lip syncing on SNL. That was when she had her show. And I believe she was dating Ryan Cabrera. Of course, I watched the show. Is anyone surprised? No. And I remember that drama. I remember it all too well. As Taylor Swift (laughs) said. Ashley Simpson, SNL, 10-minute version. I... (laughs) Slow down. I met Ashley Simpson actually during this time period. She came to a CD signing for her autobiography CD at the local mall. And I waited in line in my little brand spanking new limited to outfit. And I got her autograph and she said, I like your outfit. And it was super cool. I was a big fan of hers. That I album, loved that first album. Yeah. I thought it was honestly very good. <laughs> it was very good. That first, it's still, it stands up. It stands up yeah. because I'm personally, my opinion. I think it's yeah. very good. I I was more of a fan of Ashley than Jessica, I will say, as far as like mm. music goes and reality TV shows go. I, I liked Ashley's better than I liked like the newlyweds or whatever. I, a couple years ago, I listened to Jessica Simpson's book mm. and it has, I've, I've been a fan of Jessica Simpson. I was a fan of her when I was younger, but her book really changed my like whole entire view on her and newlyweds and Nick Lachey and everything that was going on at that time. And um, mm. I will defend her until my death. now I will, I will take a bullet for Jessica Simpson at That's this point. I feel legitimately very bad. I think for 
all the both sisters and the Simpson, like kind of everyone and that the, their whole childhood yeah. and all that is very like it's all yeah so it's yucky I, the fact that they both like turned out like as well as they did I think is very in, impressive you know yeah yeah definitely and Jessica Simpson's shoe collection her shoe line 10 out of 10 every single yeah. pair is beautiful I love them I yeah, wish really great for herself which I'm I'm very happy to see that you know she's she's come out on the other side and and she was always, I will like also give her mad respect for, like, she was one of those people much like Dolly Parton that was like, are you going to make fun of me? Like, okay, I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and play into it then. Like, I can be the dumb blonde if you want me to. I can, you know, whatever. And that's just honestly great business marketing. Like, yeah. <laughs> for being yeah. honest. Like, she played y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that about her. <clears throat> so I know you said that you were big on the music. So the only music thing that I wrote down was that... <laughs> Alicia Keys and Usher's classic song, My Boo, came out yes, 2004. Everyone really wanted to hear me sing that. I love that song. Guys, what a time. Like, it was really... Well, I was explaining to my clan before we started recording. I was like, I fight to the death for 2004 with music. And I was like, I honestly don't know if the music was really that good. I, in my humble opinion, I think it was. But I think a lot of it is just... I was getting to that age where I was finally like getting to pick out my own music. Like, yeah, when you're kind of younger, you get to sort of like go buy CDs, which by the way, the very first CD I ever bought was an S Club 7 CD and apparently they're having a reunion and I could not be more excited. Like legitimately cannot. Like I go hard for S Club 7, okay? Same. Oh my gosh. I was so excited to see this from my sister, Megan found like an article and she sent it to me immediately because she knew like when I was younger like S Club 7 was my life so I'm very excited about that but so I like you know I dabbled in some S Club I dabbled in some other things so mostly I listened to like what my parents listened to in the car or what my older sisters were listening to because again like I was a dumb younger sister who had no taste of my own like I just was like my sisters listening to this and then circa like 2002 through like you know like once I started getting to middle school so like I'm really hitting my stride here in 04 because that's like circa seventh grade-ish for me I believe is when so many iconic like albums came out that I still to this day I'm like all bops no skips like great albums hot fuss by the killers like the killers engine like 2004 like one iconic album Mm -hmm. the other day I was like so before their time like they were mixing that kind of cool 80s vibe into their music before that really became trendy to kind of go back into the synth and, and whatnot. Great album. We're also bobbing to Mr. Brightside to this day, y'all. So that, you know, as a true proud millennial, I that's that one's always on my list. Um, Futures by Jimmy World came out mm-hmm. in 2004. And that's one of my like all time favorite albums that I always go back to. So yeah, so if you were like a little you know, 13 year old girl getting into alternative music for the first time. It was a great time. There's some great albums coming out. I mean, I could go on, but those two albums, like to this day, I think are some of my favorite albums of all time that I think stand the test of time and and I will go back to again and again. So thanks 2004 for really just being iconic in so many ways. Yes. Confessions by Usher came out too. Yeah, and I started singing cool. that one time, and Andrew's like, uh, "What is that?" I'm like, "What?" I and forget. Under a rock, <laughs> he went to fundamentalist Baptist school for his yeah. entire life. So yes, technically, he did know. live under a rock. 
Usher was the king of 2000. Like, I'm pretty sure, remember Barbara Walters used to have, like, the most fascinating people? Like, I'm pretty sure he was, like, the number one most fascinating person that year because he was ever, I think he had, like, four or five hit singles in 2004. Like, you could not escape Usher. He was killing it that year. He really was. Oh, a couple other good ones. I'm just Googling it now because now I need to know. Under My Skin by Avril Lavigne. Another classic. This is pre-body double everyone so this yeah, is pre-body double <laughs> for keeping count which we are <laughs> by the way um also uh the woman that we love to talk about Gwen Stefani's love angel music baby <laughs> <laughs> that's where she started getting real like culture appropriation cringe ah Gwen thanks girl thank you so much for that time oh, yeah. <laughs> Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge by My Chemical Romance came out, too. Oh, that's true. I forgot, like, the first big – they had, like, their first big song, I think, was in 04, because I'm Not Okay is on that album, yep. I believe. Yeah, and that was, like, I want to say one of – oh, I guess that and, like, Helena were yeah probably their first, like, two big hit singles. That's – whoa, everyone. My Chemical Romance was entering our lives. What a time. <laughs> Oh my god. And by the way, I tried to get tickets to that concert and I'm still traumatized by it. I did not get tickets, mm. obviously, because I have terrible luck with tickets, but I tried so hard. I did see them live though in Jacksonville, Florida when I was like 13. House to the So I've gotten to see them live at least once. So that's good. Okay, that's the music wrap up, I think. Wow. What a what a great time, honestly. And then 2004 was an extremely an extremely big year for movies and so I tried to just pick like the I I had to just go with five I was like I was like let me just pick the top three but like I couldn't there were it was too many I had to pick five so first and foremost I want to give a shout out to Chasing Liberty that came out in 2004 and I wanted to mention it because it stars Mandy Moore baby yes so friend of the show, Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to come on, Mandy, uh, feel free. We'd love to have you. We, we would love to have you here. We can talk about whatever you want. Tangled. We can talk about Chasing Liberty. And most importantly, how to deal. How to deal. Um, yeah, that would fit our vibe, but also we, all the other things fit our vibe as well. So we're more than willing yeah. to talk about them. Whatever you want to talk about, we're here for you, girl. You and Hillary Duff, come on over. Yeah, free invitation always on this show. <laughs> Absolutely. So then this one's kind of random, but it really had a chokehold on me. It really changed my life. I remember seeing it in theaters. I did cry. It was emotional. The Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yes, the Phantom of the Opera. Okay, listen, again, speaking of, you know, all those teenage girls, like preteen girls having their little like all music face, whatever. Every 13-year-old girl had a fan of the opera face. And if you didn't, you're lying. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you didn't, you're lying. And that's a fact. I had it on DVD. So my parents did let me have a TV in my room, but all it did was play DVDs. So I, like, I couldn't get cable up there. I was not allowed to have cable or internet in my room. And I had the Phantom of the Opera on DVD, and I would watch it over and over and over and over. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera is, is great. I, I would say that's one of the first like musicals I probably got into. And one of the first things I saw live in a theater, because my friends 
Heather, like that was like what she wanted to see for her birthday was go see Fan of the Opera, like down in Tampa at the Straw Center. And so she got to go like pick a couple of friends to go with. And she was like, do you want to go? And I was like, to the theater? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know honestly that much about the show. And then I went and I saw it live and I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> I wish I had seen it live. I've only seen it, the movie, but oh, I would kill to see it live. Yeah. The chandelier scene live is that was phenomenal, like phenomenal. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. But my first thought was like, oh, my God, the chandelier scene. Yeah, it's it's honestly so cool. that the, And like the fact that like this is what amazes me about like theater production is the fact mm-hmm. that like they took that show on tour. So you have to like set that up in every new city that you go to and like practice that. And like, like it, that's just crazy to me that. I don't know. People can do stuff like that. <laughs> Shout out to all the stage hands out there. Yes. Represent. Represent. Truly. Y'all are killing it. Great work. I was a stage hand in uh, high school. Another rant that was cut out last week. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> Let's just say yikes on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so then another movie that I watched over and over again on my little DVD player in my room, The Prince and Me. Julia Stiles I love that that's a good like comfort movie for me I feel like it was always on like free form there for a few Mm -hmm. years for all I know it still is and anytime it was on tv I would stop and watch it like I don't know why it's just like something is so just like nice about it (laughs) it's like a warm hug it really is and I also like that it was it was kind of like empowering she was mm-hmm. all like, I want to be a doctor. And she goes and tries a little princess thing and is like, no, like I still got to do me. And she kind of like gets both. And and that was very nice. Yeah. And very like, I don't want to say it like this, but like very progressive for like the time because, yeah. you know, as we've talked about in the past, the women in media has been a little bit of a issue. Speaking of newlyweds. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Look no further than the MTV hit classic, Newlyweds. Mm-hmm. So 13 Going on 30 came out that year as well. Another freaking classic. That's so good. You know, do I throw the word iconic around a lot? Yes. Am I going to say that, though, when it comes to this movie? Also, yes. Straight up iconic. Love it. 10 out of 10. up iconic. My best friend, Casey, bought me the 13 going on 30 dress for my 30th birthday but I could not wear it because the like boob part was mm-hmm. so small it was it was like just covering my nipples I was like I obviously can't wear this anywhere so I gave it back to her <laughs> but I wish I could have that would have been so awesome man I'm jealous I know that like they do sell like dupes of that or whatever I've seen them online before but that's my concern like buying things online yeah. if it's like from a company I don't know I'm always like, hey, with a dress like that, you're like, is that going to cover my boobs? Or is that, mm, I don't know. But that, oh my God, how great would that have been to be able to like rock on your 30th birthday? I know. I'm so disappointed. But you need to have like little boobs. And I've gained a lot of weight in the past couple of years. And I no longer have little boobs, which I'm <laughs> I'm proud of, honestly. Right, yeah. ladies? Look at me. Look at me go. So then the ultimate the most iconic movie i'd say of our generation in my opinion mean girls yeah truly i can't think of a a movie that sums up our generation better that has had more of an influence and like a 
pop culture resonance than that film. Like it, no. it really has like thinking back to high school again, that came out when I was in middle school and that was one of our, I think I may have mentioned this before me and my middle sister, Sarah have a birthday. That's basically like two days apart. I'm the 11th of April. She is the 13th of April. And so when we were growing up on the 12th, we always did something together because it was like the in-between day. So we did a lot. We called it like birthday babes, go to the movies and we'd pick a movie. And that just happened to be the one we picked that year. I can remember what I was wearing to go see that movie. I can remember like the experience of it. Like that's how much that movie had like an impact on my life and how much it stood the test of time. My dear friend, Kristen, fan of the show. Hey, Kristen. Um, we used to always make fun of her because she just like doesn't know anything about pop culture. Like when we were in high school and we'd go to high school dances, like she didn't know what like the music was or the hit movies at the time. It wasn't until she was a freshman in college. I went to go visit her and I was saying something and she's like, I've never seen Mean Girls. And I was like, what? And we went down to the library and we rented it and we watched it like that very night because I was like, how? Like you have to, to go see Mean Girls. But I was thinking, like, in high school, there are movies that were kind of, like, flash in the pans. Like, people for a while were quoting, you know, Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite. And then it was – people were quoting Borat for a little bit. But, like, Knocked from the up. time I was in middle school to now, as a grown-ass adult woman, people are still quoting Mean Girls. Like, that is how much of an impact it had. It is funny that you say that you went to the movies – you saw that with your older sister – because I also saw it with my older sister, the middle hey. sister as well. She's our middle sister. She, I remember it very vividly. I, I also remember what we were wearing. We went downtown to see it, downtown Boston, to because we're like fancy. We're having a fancy night. <laughs> and I remember it like so well. It's crazy. And to think that was like almost 20 years ago. <laughs> like that is wild. It's so wild to think. Yeah, like it, we are. It's like 19 years old. Next year will be the 20th anniversary of Mean Girls. What? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, um, a couple years ago, and by a couple, I mean Christ on a cracker, like probably eight years ago now, I dressed as Regina George for Halloween, and I will put that picture up on our Instagram yes. because that's like my favorite Halloween costume of all time, and I made it. So me and my ex were going to a Halloween party, and I got, I made and bought that entire costume like three hours before the party. So that is impressive. I have seen a picture of that and I did not know that tidbit that it was like made in three hours. And knowing that, I'm very impressed. Like, I would have thought that was like something you would like plan for like a month or something. Like, I put lots of time and effort into. That's crazy. We totally winged it. And my ex um, was identifying as a woman at that time and dressed as Regina George's mom. And everyone thought it was weird. And I was like, why is that weird? It's a Halloween costume. It's a Halloween costume. I don't. And also, like, if you're going to go with someone, like, if it's just one person going with Regina, like, that makes the most sense. Because, like, who else? Like, you can't be, like, one of the plastics and then be missing one. Like, that wouldn't have made any sense, you know? So, also, it. it makes sense to me. My partner at the time was like a butch lesbian. So it was like even funnier that my that they were putting on like a wig and like a hot pink jumpsuit and like stuffing a bra and stuff. So, yeah, pretty crazy. We were we did not do a lot of things well, but we did do Halloween costumes very well. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, we really nailed that. <laughs> we really did. We really did. 
he has such a cute little girlfriend now she is like an influencer kind of like a disney fashion influencer Mm. they're cute they're very cute shout out so no hard feelings obviously anymore um so that was that i think that was all the movies i had and that was everything pop culture from 2004 that i had y'all what a great great time what a year it was it was certainly something again i would not go back to the fashion but no there's gotta be like something again i guess the 13 going on 30 dress is maybe like the only fashion i enjoy and even that as we said it's not really like something you can wear (laughs) right you have to have like no boobies yeah today we are diving in to the truth about forever sarah desson's sixth novel yeah um written in 2004 as we said we have the dedication page for jay as ever and for my cousins who like me know by heart the view of the river and the bay the complex rules of beckon and all the ways you can't get to heaven to name you all would be a book in itself you know who you are cute very personal yeah i love that dedication very very personal clearly and we begin chapter one and not to be too dramatic and say there are only so many books I can say that when I picked up, they changed my life. And I really think, as, as I mentioned before, we'll probably come again 10 million more times when we read this one. It was the very first Sarah Dustin novel I ever read. It was in like a Barnes and Noble, I think. And I picked it out because we we're heading to family vacation and I wanted something new to read on vacation. And I liked the cover. I read the inside flap and I was like, this sounds interesting. And the rest was history. So, mm-hmm. y'all. We're about to dive in. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm really excited. Um, Chapter one, Jason was going to brain camp is the first sentence. Brings you right in. I want to mention that on the first page here, we get our That's So 2004 moment with him bringing a phone card. Yes, I love that. (laughs) Kids these days would be like, what the hell is that? I barely know what that is, honestly. A camera battery, because we were all still using digital cameras and not just our phone. I know. (sighs) I'm surprised he had a laptop, though. Yeah. I think he's, like, pretty well-to-do. You know, like, his family is probably on the wealthier side. Mm, Sounds like it. Sounds like he's a real piece of work, which we'll get into. Also, he brought blank CDs, which I found funny as well. But Jason is her boyfriend. Uh, he is going to brain camps, market camp. He has all of the things he needs and a very neat list. So we're seeing already that he's extremely meticulous and type A. He was the all-state math champ, head of the debate team, holder of the highest GPA in history of our high school. He'd been taking AP classes since the seventh grade. Which I was like, what? How? Like, how smart are you? And overachiever. Jesus. I know. I was like, holy shit. Also, like, do you have a life? Do you like yourself? No. No, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So we get kind of some information about how they're like, how she kind of fell into this relationship because it was a really tough time in her life. She couldn't really get her head around like anything that was happening she was really lost really confused and he was just like this 
kid in her class who was able to explain Macbeth to her so easily that she was like, oh, well, if he can do this for me, then he can probably like make me feel more put together in my life. Yeah. Which is yeah, I love, she says here on the top of page three, which I just thought was one of these great, like, how Sarah Dustin can just, like, tell you so much about a character without having them be like, and this is what I was going through. So she's kind of explaining how, yeah, like, Jason and her kind of got together because he explains Macbeth, and, and she's going through a lot at this time. And she says, she's talking about how, like, this was her silent phase, and she wasn't really talking. And just like words she would forget words and she would forget like how to write and she says here just printing my own name on the top of the page a few days previously i second guessed the letters and their order not even sure of that anymore and it's like like what a punch Mm -hmm. that like packs and just that sentence you're like oh she's she's going through it which we're about to understand what what she's going through but you're like damn this girl is clearly really struggling in her life yeah yes absolutely Yeah, she says here, too, like, once he starts explaining Macbeth to her, she says, and I felt comfort, finally. All I'd wanted for so long was for someone to explain everything that had happened to me in this same way, to label it neatly on a page. This leads to this, leads to this. I knew deep down it was more complicated than that, but watching Jason, I was hopeful. He took the mess that was Macbeth and fixed it, and I had to wonder if he might, in some small way, be able to do the same for me. So I moved myself closer to him, and I've been there ever since. So her relationship with Jason is like, we're already seeing it's not necessarily like she loves him or she's attracted to him. It's like she was feeling chaotic and he's someone who can organize chaos. And she was like, okay, great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. She was looking for answers and he very clearly seems to be like the answer man. Like he can give you, give you the answer that you're looking for. He can help explain things. And she's desperately looking for explanations at this point in her life. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like i can see how she ended up with a guy like this but boy the more you learn about this guy you're like oh jesus <laughs> yeah like right here on the next page there hadn't been much time for anyone else besides jason got easily frustrated with people so i'd been hesitant to invite new people out with us yikes yeah big yikes like oh that's there's no worse feeling in the world than being like oh i can't really have friends because my partner is so combative and yeah rude oh he sounds like a real good time yeah gross so and it sounds like his parents are pretty stick up their ass a little bit too they're both professors at the college very scholarly jason and his dad in the car to the airport are talking about elections that had just happened in europe what (laughs) (laughs) that's the common thing you discuss as you're like son's going away for eight weeks for the summer you're like oh yes what do you think about that election in greece (laughs) right it's like what nothing i can barely get my mind around the election the united states (laughs) (laughs) so then 2004 we just re-elected bush how oh thanks (laughs) 9-11 i mean we all know that's why i got elected again because people were like Mm -hmm. remember when he was reading to the children and that photo and and the world and we're all very into nationalism right now and there's terror alerts on my tv every day no one knows what they need why is it orange i don't know (laughs) i guess we'll just go with this guy they're like "Mm, yes he's safe he's safe and cute (laughs) so another thing they said goodbye at the gate which i found interesting because this is a post 9-11 world (laughs) this is 2004 y'all it's post 9-11 you mean saying goodbye at the gate 
Mm-mm. Psygnosis fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get we see like she's like, I'm gonna miss you so much. Like she's trying to give, you know, emotions that you give to a boyfriend. Cause I think she says they've been together for like a year and a half. Yeah. And he's just like, it's only eight weeks, and then kisses her on the forehead, barely kisses her on the lips, and then is like, Okay, I'll email you. Bye. And she's kind of bummed out about this goodbye, but she says here, but I'd long ago learned not to be picky in farewells they weren't guaranteed or promised you were lucky more than blessed if you got a goodbye at all and then this is where we find out that her dad died suddenly he had a heart attack and it seems like he kind of just dropped dead like right on the ground yeah Um, which is so scary oh my god the day after christmas which like not like your dad dying at any point is good especially when you're she was a sophomore in high school at the time. Yeah, so probably like 15 years old. And, mm. but yeah, for it to happen, like right, right around what is usually like, you know, one of the happier times of the year. Yep. And she says this is how people knew her. The girl who saw her dad die, which sucks. Like what, like, not only did you have to deal with that and live through it, but now everyone like whispers like, oh, she's yeah. her dad die. Very awkward. Yeah, it's not a- not something you want to be known for, that's for sure. We learn um, about her mom here a little bit too. Deborah Queen, who builds pretty houses. And her sister Caroline, who has recently been married at the Lakeview Inn. Shout out to Lakeview. Woo-woo. Yeah, Queen Holmes, let us build your castle. So yeah, the, the story goes. So Macy grew up as a runner and it seems like we're gonna learn here in the next kind of couple chapters that that's kind of her and her dad's thing and he the morning after christmas comes to wake her up and was like come on like let's go for a run and she's like a teenage girl and she's like "Mm, i don't want to get out of bed she's like it's probably cold outside you're on christmas vacay and he's like you know i'll give you a head start and you're like the the first few bits are you know the first few steps are the hardest part And then she lays there for a couple of minutes and decides, like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. Gets up, puts on some track pants, goes running after him and finds him. Yeah, he essentially dropped dead from a heart attack. I I assume some kind of neighbor. She says someone is there, like, pumping his chest. I assume some kind of neighbor found him, started doing CPR, called 911, that whole jazz. And that's how she finds him. And, yeah, that's very, very terrible, obviously. Yeah absolutely something i can't even imagine at all so after that flashback we go back to the present she just got home from dropping off her man also it's funny because my um sister dated a guy for like a really long time it was like her first serious relationship and his last name was talbot so that's funny but fun fact he had a turtle that's what i remember a turtle Ooh, a turtle so she gets home and there is a package on the porch and she's like i know what this is immediately she opens it and it's uh from a company called easy products and they write, wrote a letter to her dad that's like hey dear mr mcqueen as one of our most valued easy products customers please find and close our latest innovation for you to for your perusal so basically, we find out that her dad it was like really into, well, what would probably be online shopping now, but 
yeah <laughs> telephone shopping like qvc shopping yes. and orders all these like insane stuff and he loves them and he gets really excited about them also i want to mention that one of the items is a jumbo holiday greeting card pack and we had one of those we kept it in the cabinet above the fridge it had every holiday everything you could possibly need a card for it was up there that is fantastic i'm into it this easy products thing like as i said in the beginning of this episode like was pulled from my memories. I'm like, oh my God, I remember this so well. I love all the different like things. And she, she's kind of going over like the different things that her father ordered or he got from them. And it's just very funny that I, which is also one of those things where I'm like, are these infomercials that Sarah Dustin saw or did she like sit there and have to like think up things? So like, oh, this would be an infomercial thing. Cause I was like, some of these are very, like I could see some of these, like, like this, um, like box that holds all your wraps and and sandwich bags and stuff. I mm. see I see people promoting shit like that on TikTok constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, constantly. Yeah, they they got very big. Yes. So we're looking at the easy products. I highlighted this part because I thought it was like a good. I thought first of all I thought it was really funny, and then also I thought it was like a really good representation of her father and also her a little bit. So she says. Mm. Never mind that the rest of us had long ago soured on easy products. My father was not dissuaded by our cynicism. He loved the potential, the possibility that there in his eager hands was the answer to one of life's questions. Not why are we here or is there a God? These were queries people had been circling for eons. But if the question was, does there exist a toothbrush that also functions as a mouthwash dispenser? The answer was uh, was clear. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. And like, I love in this little bit learning about the easy products, how much you learn about her dad. And again, we start this novel. He's already passed away. We unfortunately never get to meet him. But I feel like we learn so much about him from the way that Macy talks about him. And it just makes me really sad that she, that, you know, everyone in her family didn't get more time with him. I know. He's a, a good dude. And I liked his, his optimism and how he thought that, you know, these things, yeah, like everyone else was like, oh, Jesus, of course he's like, when you watch an infomercial, you know, it's not going to work. But I, I love that he kind of is hoodwinked by it a little bit and, and believes that they will, you know? Yep. Yeah, I love that. So she kind of talks about how they all grieved when he died. So she says that her sisters seem to take on our cumulative emotional reaction she was crying all the time macy herself was quiet silent angry refusing to grieve and then her mother started organizing so she was like organizing the house clearing out everything throwing things away little trinkets odds and ends from macy's childhood and stuff she was like gone 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 and then she and then goodwill comes to pick stuff up which i did not know was an option and They do. Not everywhere, but they that is an option in a lot of places. Interesting. Yeah. My mother-in-law does it all the time. And they obviously don't pick up at a lot of like apartment complexes. It is more like house type stuff. So sometimes she would let us know like, hey, Goodwill's coming next Wednesday if you have anything. And if Mike was going over for like family dinner or something on Sunday, we would just like put the stuff we wanted and then they'd come pick it up from her house very convenient interesting i like that Mm -hmm. that's very convenient well she his mom her mom is about to throw away all of the easy products 
and Macy kind of secretly holds on to them and puts them in the attic in her bedroom and just kind of holds on to them, which I like. I think that was a good idea. Yeah, yeah very like last minute. She's like, uh, no, actually, you cannot take this and decides to keep it, which, yeah, I like a little. Listen, I'm all about donating to Goodwill there, Deborah, and you know, organizing and there, you can't hold on to everything, obviously when someone has passed, but I think there's no shame in, in giving yourself like something to remember them by for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like they got rid of a ton of stuff. So it was good that she kept that for herself. And then, oh, so then she says about a month after the funeral, another easy products package showed up. And they were like, okay, well, he probably ordered this right before he died. So this will be the last one. And then next month, another one showed up. And it says that they called to complain and they and they were like, oh, yeah, we'll take him off the list. So sorry about that. But the stuff kept coming every single month. Mm-hmm. Even after they canceled the credit card, they had on file. Yeah. which then i'd be like heck yeah free stuff let's go <laughs> and i'd be like hell yeah and it's like kind of like as she says one of her gifts from her dad was an iou and he was like really excited he's like you're gonna love it it's late but it's special like don't worry and so macy kind of has this theory that all of these products that came every month were actually her gift from her dad he was like going to I guess, share in this excitement, this thing he loves with her. And he didn't get to, but she still gets to get these products. So that's cute. Yeah. Also, the IOU is so good. And I'm so excited to get to that part. (laughs) I don't remember it. So I'm also very excited. (laughs) I can't imagine. But I love it. Yeah, she said she's pretty sure the IOU wasn't the easy products, but it felt soothing when the things started arriving. Like a part of him was still reaching out to me, keeping his promise. Oh, so sad. You know, poor Macy. Poor everyone in the Queen family, really. Well, also, Dessen is like excellent at last names Sparks, yeah. Star, Queen. Yeah. There's some very good last names in there. God, Sarah. Seriously, you're just fantastic. We love you. We really do. Okay, chapter two. Chapter two. Let's go. Let's go. All right. This is a big moment. Chapter two starts when we first started our Discord. I can't remember who said it, but we were talking about how this was like seared into our brains the beginning of this chapter when they're getting ready her mother is having like an open house event at their home to sell like the new townhomes they're building in the development and chapter two starts off with macy is getting ready for it so she's upstairs trying to like make a perfect part which man is a struggle sometimes so she's up there like repeatedly parting her hair and it's just funny because we like have discussed this on our discord before you should join it (laughs) and you too can have these discussions with us and yeah it is just one of those things that's like seared in my brain and one of those great like Sarah Dustin character moments where she's just talking about you know she's basically just getting ready for a party but how she like builds it into like Macy's character the fact that she's kind of like searching for perfection right now in her life when it's things Mm -hmm. she's talking about how like she you know she's an athlete she's a runner and she never really used to care what she looks like you know she'd throw her hair up in a ponytail and she wasn't a makeup person and whatnot 
And then now that she's, you know, since her, her dad has passed away, she's become someone who kind of like cares about that since, you know, she started seeing Jason and has kind of turned into this like person who's searching for perfection. Mm -hmm. It's like, she feels so out of control from the um, sudden loss of her dad that she's like, First of all, trying to prove to everyone that she's doing completely fine, as she says, like all the time, I'm I was fine. I'm fine. Um, so she's like, I need to look perfect, I need to play the part, I need control. And it's like very like Remy-esque, I feel like. Yes, yeah. They have that similarity in that sense, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That they're both like very much like there is no control in my life. So this is how I find it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Dessen herself has struggled with that or struggled with that when she was growing up. Yeah, that's a very that's a very good question. I'm curious. Sarah, let us know. <laughs> Send us a text. <laughs> Thank you. We'd really appreciate it. So yeah, they're having this little get together and she comes out Sarah's and she's like, hey, sorry, I was having hair issues. And her mom's like, it's all good. She's like, what do you need me to do? And she was like, well, you know, if you could make sure the brochures are being stocked and if anyone looks like they're looking for the bathroom, point them in the right direction. And Macy's kind of joking around about how, like, that's her specialty. <laughs> Which I think is funny because it's going to come up again in, like, a chapter. Or maybe at the end of this chapter, actually. I'm not sure. But it comes up in, in our reading today. So she talks about – she goes a little brief history. We have a little flashback here about Queen Holmes and how it was her dad who started it right out of college as a one-man trim carpenter operation – And then her mom kind of comes into the operation. He hires her because she had just gotten an accounting degree and his numbers were shit, basically. So he was like, yeah, come on down. You can help me straighten out these numbers. And then not only does he find a great business partner, but he finds the love of his life. Aww. Aww. So cute. So they, she kind of is explaining how her mother used to not be good at the schmoozing part and how she's kind of had to perfect it over the years. Her dad was always the one who was the charmer. He, you'd want to go grab a beer with him. He was, you know, everyone's bud. He could talk you into things. She says how he, my dad would run through the basic spiel, tweaking it depending on what sort of people they were. He played up the Southern charm for Northerners, talked NASCAR and barbecue with locals. He was knowledgeable, trustworthy. Um, And yeah, and then you'd be like, yeah, but I want you to build my home basically. And then She's kind of explaining how everyone sort of has this guilt with her father's death. Like she blames herself because if I would have woken up two minutes earlier or, you know, if I would have gone on that run with him or whatnot, like I could have prevented it. And then she says her mother has a guilt. At the, it was kind of her mother's brainchild, this wildflower ridge, which is the development that Macy herself lives in. And she says that, you know, is this what caused, like her mom basically has this fear that, the stress of this development may have been what caused him to have this heart attack. So she's kind of talking about how like, not only are they all grieving in their own way, but they also are all dealing with their own kind of set of guilt toward his death, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, She says, but here in the present, my mother and I had no choice but to move ahead. We worked hard, me at school, her about selling all the other builders. We parted our hair cleanly and stood up straight reading company in the world with the smiles we practiced in our quiet, our new, our now too big dream house full of mirrors that showed the smiles back. But under it all, our grief remained. Sometimes she took more of it. Sometimes I did. But it was always, it was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. I know. So, yeah. So, she's just kind of talking about that. And 
yeah, it just kind of made me sad, I guess, that both mm-hmm. of them, you know, she kind of talks about Carolyn a little bit, but obviously Carolyn's kind of off on her own now. We're going to learn a little bit about what she's up to here in a little bit, but that her mom and her are both just carrying on this guilt and this grief, but neither of them will talk about it. Instead, they're going to part their hair, they're going to try their best, and they're just going to move on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yikes. So she is helping out and she's like, okay, I need, she noticed that the stack of flyers on the foyer table is looking low. So she was like, okay, great. Um, I want to leave anyway. I need like a break. So she went down the front walk and she said, you know, summer was just starting, which is normally like fun for like normally had meant early track practice and long afternoons at the pool. This summer, though, she's working. She is taking over Jason's job at the library information desk. Basically, you know, as we've seen from Jason, he's like super smart, super arrogant. And so he knows everything. And he is like very good at this job. People rely on him. So it's kind of like he's it's kind of like a really big deal that she's taking over this job, you know, because it's like his job is like very serious. He takes it very seriously as we see throughout the, this, this first three chapters. And she's talking about how during her training, there were two girls there who are not very nice to her. I think they both like Jason or something. And they're obviously like also very smart and kind of on Jason's level of like pretentious. So, they kind of make fun of her for like not being as smart as that for not being as smart as them. And Jason doesn't give two shits. He's like, (laughs) she's like, I pointed it out to Jason and he got impatient as if I was wasting his time. So he has like no concern for her feelings at all whatsoever. Um, All he cares about is his reputation at this job. Not a real stand up guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, what a weird pretentious, obviously he's a weird pretentious 17 year old, but how weird are you that you're going away to brain camp and you're like, hello, girlfriend, will you step into my job? Because I don't like, I don't know, any other teenager would have been like taking like a leave. I won't be there. But he's like, I will have my girlfriend fill in for me. And if these bitchy girls are being bitchy to her, I'm not even going to care about it. Like she needs to take this job more seriously. And it's like, what a tool. <laughs> 100%. 100% a tool. So she is back back in the present here. She is going outside. And when she passes the garbage can, somebody jumps out from the bushes. It's dark, so she can't really see anything. And she screams and drops the box. <laughs> and that is the first meeting we have of Bert and Wes. Oh, my little my little Wesley Baker. Oh, I love and I guess Bert Baker as well. They I say Bert is honestly one of my favorite. Everyone in this book, like there is not a single side character. I mean, except for the bitchy library girls that I don't just absolutely adore with my whole heart. So I just think this book, I mean, in every novel we've read so far, there are so many good characters i think especially this coming after this lullaby where the group of friends is like kind of lacking as we discussed this group of people that she is about to meet in wish catering like everyone is just so 
unique and weird and awesome. And I'm just so excited to get to hang out with them some more because I love them all very dearly. Bert, special place in my heart. (laughs) Bert gives me very much um, John Miller vibes. Yes, 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 yes. I can see that 100%. Oh, Bert. Yeah, we get uh, he yells out gotcha, which we're going to learn a little bit more as we kind of progress this novel. That This is kind of a recurring bit that they do, the gotcha. But he kind of explains here that he's down in a big way and he didn't realize it was not his brother that he was scaring. And she's just like, it's okay. And he, she says that, uh, she's like, I'm really sorry. Or he says, I'm really sorry. It's just like, like the stupid thing we do. And she's like, it's fine. It was an accident. He looked at me. His expression is serious. There are, he said, no accidents. <laughs> just love like how intense he is, but a very like charming and daring way. So, you know, he gets yelled at like, Bert, come back, you know, crab cakes, whatever. And this is where we get to meet Delia, who is the head of the operation of our little wish catering uh, group. We get to meet her and her daughter, Lucy, who is there because the sitter canceled last minute. And she is very frazzled. This whole operation is frazzled. Monica has spilt wine on somebody and they're short stopped and she has her daughter and they're like going through a list of things that they need. Like, okay, we need ice for the bar. Wes needs that for the bar. We need crab cakes. We need another server. We need this, that, and the other thing. And so she's like going through it again. And Macy is still standing there because her mom sent her in there. She's like, can you please go talk to the caterer and let them know I'm not pleased because everything has kind of been a disaster so far. Food's not coming out. Like I said, Monica, apparently, which is one of the members of the catering crew who we're meeting here. She apparently, like, like I said, spilt, you know, wine on somebody. So she's going through this list of things that she needs. And she's like, what else? What else? And Macy is still awkwardly standing there. So she just says ice because she kind of just feels bad. Like this poor lady is trying her damnedest and (laughs) is having a heck of a time. And so Delia kind of looks up and is like, thanks. Who are you? Like, (laughs) like, thanks for the the help. But who are you standing there? And so Macy explains, like, oh, you know, I'm Macy. This is my mom's house. And Delia's like, and she sent you in here because she's pissed. And she's like, ah, try to play nice. I don't know if I'd say she's pissed exactly. And as this is happening, apparently Monica has felt like another thing. So she's like, now she is. I'm certain now she is probably Mm -hmm. pissed. And Macy's like, yeah, in fairness. So Macy kind of ends up jumping in. You know, she's just like, how can I help? And Delia asks her, how are you with a spatula? And before you know it, she's in there helping get crab cakes and cheese puffs out. And she says she kind of learns quickly that Delia's mantra is, oh, please, God, I'm begging you. Okay. (laughs) She tends to say that after a lot of things. And then inevitably, Macy's mom does make her way in to kind of explain that she is not pleased with the situation. She also seems a little bit confused that her daughter has kind of become part of the operation here. And she's like, hey, when you're done with this, could you uh, come help me out here? And she's like, yeah, any, any minute, mom. So Delia's kind of trying to smooth things over. She's asking her, uh, or well, she tells, you know, Macy's mom, Deborah, she's like, I'm so sorry. We're gonna comp the rest of you know the the food essentially. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the half of the night of paper, half the night. It's kind of like free is what it sounds like. As mm-hmm. long as you'll service again. Like I, I promise, we're we're usually you know a better operation than this. This isn't our normal standard. And so she kind of smoothed things over, and then she basically asked 
Macy, if, you know, she's like, hey, you're really good at this. If you like, you've got a job here for sure. And Macy's like, oh, you know, well, actually her mom tells her that, you know, that's, that's very nice of you, but she's actually working at the library this summer. And Delia is kind of starting to get into the next little crazy bit, but she was like, oh, well, you know, the offer stands. Like if you want an extra gig or if the library doesn't work out, you let me know you seem like you would be great in this. I think she says something about like, you have a bright future in catering if that exists. <laughs> I, this scene was like so difficult for me because I have like, when I'm at work, I want everyone to be working really yeah. hard. Like, especially in a restaurant, you know, in catering restaurants, like kind of same thing. And Monica, I was like, if this chick does not get it together, I'm going to freak out. I was so mad reading this at Monica. I was like, oh, my God. Like, is she stoned? Like, what is happening here? She, like, can't. She's dropping everything. She's moving slow as molasses. Monica, what are you doing? Come on. I know. I think, like, in, again, in two pages, she does. And she did this really well in Keeping the Moon as well. Like, that tension, that stress, like you feel like you were part of it. Like I felt for Delia in this scene. I was like, the meatballs are on the floor. They're out of ice. They're out of this. And I instantly, yeah, I'm transported back to like my serving gig. And I'm like, oh God, I'm stressed out for her. And I'm just very impressed that she can do that. Like you're in that, that moment, you feel that stress that Delia is feeling for sure. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I mentioned, but Delia is also like heavily pregnant. So yeah. she has a toddler with her because the babysitter canceled. She also is pregnant. She's tired. She's dealing with, you know, pregnancy brain, which from my understanding of my sisters is very real. And, and she's trying to, to run this operation. So yeah, while Monica is moving up the pace of molasses. So sounds very stressful to me. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, ah. Also, another really good show that is worth a watch if you've never seen it is Party Down. Yes, I um, haven't, but I heard it like just they just like came back for a new season or something after many years. Yeah, and I haven't watched it, it yet. Good. But the old like the original series is like really, really, really good. It's um, on my list, my never ending list of things to watch. But <laughs> <on there>. Same. <sighs> All right. Well, let's see. So she kind of goes back out to the party. And then it ends around 9.30 and her mom locks the door and goes into her office and it's like, bye, have fun. And Macy goes up to her room and checked her email. Jason had written her, but it was mostly about the job stuff. He wanted to make sure she remembered about the job. She doesn't write, I love you. He doesn't write love. He just writes his name. She says Jason wasn't the type for displays of affection, either verbal or not. He was disgusted by couples that made out in hallways between classes and got annoyed at even the slightest sappy moments in movies. Jason, go to therapy. Yeah. Also, like, you're a hormonal teenager. I, too, am not, like, the biggest PDA fan. But that's what you're supposed to do when you're 16. Like you're supposed to make out with someone in the hallway because it's been 50 minutes and you haven't seen them because your hormones are raging and everything that you feel, you feel bigger. And mm -hmm. he's just like a robot. And yeah, I think he desperately needs some therapy. <laughs> or he's like needs his parents to like hug him or something. Like he just sounds like, I don't know. 
I don't know, man. Um, something or like maybe it's like undiagnosed like autism like maybe he's on the spectrum mm -hmm. and like he's just not good at like that kind of thing which again if that's the case then like go go to therapy and also you could then find a way to explain like I'm just not good at that kind of stuff like this is how I show love and whatever but right now you just seem like someone who yeah is like emotionally unavailable or whatever <laughs> There is something. So I was reading this book that kind of went into like it was a it was a um, queer romance, but it was the main character was demisexual, which basically means if you guys don't know that you don't become sexually attracted to someone until you know them personally. So like you can't like one night stands and stuff like aren't really a thing because right. you just it doesn't exist. And I found out while reading that book that there is something called aromantic, which are it's like asexual people, but instead of like not having desire for like sex, they like aren't romantic and something like, you know what I mean? Like they don't have that emotional connection. So that made me think of that. Too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe sense. he's like that. And like, if so cool, but maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship with someone who clearly yeah. was a little, yeah. <laughs> a little romance. It yeah, doesn't like, even about him. Like kind of gave me that like, maybe yeah, he's on like kind of like, yeah, it could be a romantic, a something, you know what I mean? Like something about the way he is. Or he's just like a really awkward dude. I'm not sure. But like the way he yeah. is in this book, I'm like, dude. <laughs> it's so interesting because it's like it's he doesn't treat her like a girlfriend. He treats her like his executive assistant. Yes. Like I the one the this next chapter, chapter three, I was like, she's not your secretary, she's not your assistant. And that's how he treats her. And like, that's what's like disappointing to me. Like, I guess it isn't even like that he's lacking in affection. Cause she kind of says like the one of the reasons she got with him at first is because of that. Like when her father passed away, everyone's like, Oh, let me hug you. Let me love you. Whatever. And she was like, Oh my, like stop everyone. And she liked that this guy was just like, not into that. And like, awesome. But then it's, yeah, he like legitimately treats her. Like it's like, she's his assistant. And I was like, I could just, no and that's not what their relationship is they're supposed to be dating you know right exactly so after she reads this email she crawls out into her like out of her window and sits on the roof which was something I could do when I was growing up too and I used to do it sometimes but I would get really scared because if my parents caught me they'd be really mad so that she's kind of like she hears them talking Bert is talking about another planet that's moving within the same trajectory as Earth, and it's only a matter of time before it hits us, which is really funny. Like, it's such, like, a goofy guy, like, conversation to be having. I also like how he's like, they don't talk about these things on the news, and I was like, in 10 years' time, Bert is going to be one of those people in, like, conspiracy chat rooms, like, 100%. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't think any conspiracies are going to make him think that, you know... In a pizza place, there's an underground sex ring. Like, I don't think he's going to be one of those. Like, I don't think he's a January 6th-er. I'm just, like, he's going to be on those, like, you know, like, not hurtful conspiracy chat rooms. He's, he's like, like he's, yeah, he's not QAnon. He's, like, let's storm Area 51 kind of people. Yes, yes, he's one of those. Exactly. Okay, so then Bert is, like, I want to drive. And they're, like, no you can't right now like you, you you don't drive well enough yet I, I don't just let me drive and 
Bert's kind of upset about this, but Wes kind of talks him down and is like, you'll be able to drive soon. Like, don't worry about it. You know, let's just get home. It's been a long night. And then Bert says, you know who she is? The one who helped us out, meaning Macy. And Macy gets like tense at this because she's like, shit, I know what's coming. He's going to say that my dad died. But then he was like, oh, yeah, her dad was the coach that used to run in the, the kids league back in elementary school. The Lakeview Zips, remember? And so she's like kind of relieved because she's like, oh, OK, so they're not like she's not like the girl whose dad's dead. They're like she's like the girl whose dad was coach Joe. And they're like, wow, he was a really nice guy. Yeah, I loved that part because for a year and a half, it's been that. And it was like very nice for her to like not be that for the first time in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it was like they they had really nice memories of her dad, too, which I thought was really nice as well. Yeah, and also very importantly, it's the first mention of the Burmobile. So, big moment of her. <laughs> love the Burmobile. I love Bert. <laughs> I love Bert. He's so cute. Yeah. So that's chapter. So then she watches the truck drive away until it, until she can't see anymore, and that is chapter two. Is there anything I missed? That's yeah. That's it. That sums it up. Chapter three, chapter three, baby. Chapter three, baby. We're doing okay on time, I think. Yeah, look at us. Well, we just changed ourselves now for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just, I screwed, I screwed the pooch. It's going to take us an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter three. So she's saying she can't sleep. She has, she's starting the next day at the library and she has that kind of like first day of school feeling. So She's not doing a good job sleeping. She's talking about how she honestly has never been much of like a sleeper, which is why it's really weird that the day that her dad passed, like she, that was a day that she was kind of being a more stereotypical teenager who wanted to sleep in. And again, she's kind of explaining how, you know, she just like feels really guilty about that. She kind of explains her history with running, how her dad liked to run. She kind of talks about the Lakeview Zips, which Bert and Wes were just discussing and how her and Carolyn used to both run. But um, inevitably, it kind of became her thing. After her first, like, kids 5K, she said it was exhausting and terrible. And she just remembers her dad on the side being like, Macy, good girl, keep it up. You're doing great. And she just became obsessed with it. This is an interesting thing. She mentions a few times that she's on the shorter side. But she's also a very good runner, which is strange because usually like taller people benefit from that in running. But she says she realizes that she's faster than a lot of people. She's good at this. Carolyn inevitably kind of, or Caroline, I don't I feel like I like pronounce it different every time I say it. Caroline inevitably kind of grows out of it and decides that running's not for her. But Macy sticks with it and it kind of becomes her and her dad's thing. So she's kind of talking about her history with running and then how essentially after her dad passes, it's just not the same. And she's saying like her friends from track, like really tried to remain loyal to her and be a good friend, but no one understood. And it got to the point where she just kind of started avoiding them and she quit track altogether. And of course, now, as we know from chapter one, she basically hangs out with Jason and Jason's friends because he just like thinks he's better than everyone and doesn't have time for anyone's stupidity. So yeah, so now she's kind of very alone and just has Jason. And now, of course, Jason is gone all summer. And that takes us to back to present day where she's starting 
at the old library, the information desk. And this is where Bethany is introduced. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, right, you're starting today. And then Amanda is like, Buh. which is where it's also very funny because we have a mutual friend named Amanda and we, we worked did. with her. And we call her Chicken Daddy, though. And <laughs> it actually originated, I believe Michael Ann was like the first person to call her that. And yeah. Michael Ann like sent us something one day, like a, a screenshot or whatever of a text. And we're like, hi, questions, who is Chicken Daddy? And so we went in and talked to Chicken Daddy and we told her like, hey, this, you know, we found this out or whatever. And I've called her like Chicken Daddy ever since. And Amanda, our friend, uh, was bartender at our old job and I would just like yell this out across our restaurant and again like this is a massive restaurant right and I would be like chicken daddy and her bar guests would always be like what the fuck like they would just look at me and so it's so funny to me that these people named Bethany and Amanda are like such fuddy duddy stick in the mugs whatever because I'm thinking like in our job there was a Bethany and Amanda and we could not have been more opposite like we were like whoa hey what's up and I'm like yelling chicken daddy across you know, a uh, 900 person capacity venue. And yeah, and these people are just straight up like pretentious bitches. But I agree with you. I think that like one of them or both of them like has a crush on Jason and they're basically like jealous of Macy because they think like she's not good enough. Like, look at us. We're smart, pretentious people like him and Macy's not good enough. And they're just absolutely mean and yeah, this is where we learn what Bethany looks like. And she basically is me. And mm-hmm. that makes me very sad because she's very mean and not nice at all. And I swear, if you ever worked with me, you would know that I'm a very nice coworker. <laughs> she is. I can attest. Um, Chicken Daddy comes from me and Amanda were hanging out a lot when I... Um, first broke up with my so me and Bethany worked at the same restaurant and for the first year I worked there I was in a bad relationship so I really didn't talk to anyone or hang out with anyone and then I left that person and started hanging out with everybody um including my fiance two weeks later (laughs) walls um (laughs) but that's another story but yeah me and Amanda were hanging out a lot and we were bonding over our love of chicken nuggets so I started calling her chicken daddy she calls me something but I didn't stick quite the same as chicken daddy stuff chicken daddy is just it's so good also appreciate because we were talking about fandom of the opera at the top of the show that I started because I was just like, yo, Chicken Daddy every day when I saw her like as loud as I could. And then I started singing. I did like a remix of Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, the daddy of the chickens is here. <laughs> <behind> the bar. <laughs> and I would just sing that out there. And she was like, high kicks now. And I would like do high kicks. And it became this whole thing. So on my last day working with her, because she wasn't there on my last day, but she was there on my second to last day. And we knew it was like going to be our last shift together. And she was like, I want my song. I want high kicks. And I had to do a whole performance for her because it would be like our last time at work. And it was really beautiful. (laughs) That's adorable. About how running became their thing. And then we're at the library where they're being very bitchy. Also, this line on 43 is the most our podcast line in the history of ever. (laughs) She's talking about how you know, Amanda comes in and she feels like she needs to respond. And she's like, I forgot you were starting today because both of them are being very bitchy to her. And she goes, um, yeah, I said, they both looked at me and I was distinctly aware of the, um, 
So base hanging in the air between us. I said more clearly, yes. I literally was like, mm-hmm, yep. Um, you will never become more distinctly aware of how many times you say um until you start a podcast and then you yep. try to edit out as many as you possibly can that you said. Yep. It, it's, it gets to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I've edited out more ums in this episode than I can count. And some I of them- texted- Go ahead. Some of them stay in because we'll say an um in like the middle of a sentence super fast. And I'm like, well, I guess we have to keep that one in because I can't I cut can. it out without it sounding crazy. Ugh. I'll get to it and I, I'll i be able to get the first bit, but that, mm, and then it'll, so it'll just sound like, and so then I'm like, no, I might as well just keep it because I can't get that last little bit of the um out. And so I'll just keep it in. Or sometimes when I'm just getting lazy at the end, I'm like, well, I cut like 80% of them out. So yeah. people can deal with this one. Um, But it gets to the point, I texted Michael Ann one time when I was editing and I told her that I can tell this, the sound wave when one of us are about to say an um, like I literally can recognize the sound wave because I, you know, know what to look for when I'm editing it out. And so I told her, you know, there's like those things. It's usually like your spouse saying I love you or your kids saying I love you or something like that or your favorite song. And you can get like a necklace or a bracelet or whatever. And I said I was going to get friendship bracelets for the two of us. So it was just the sound of both of us saying um. <laughs> <laughs> like she would have my um and I would have her um. And that's because I, like, I was like, that's it. That's our friendship. The two of us editing out each other saying um. So. <laughs> It's happening. I'm buying them. I told her I'm now putting it out there to the podcast. So I can't wait. I can't believe that these are being purchased. And I will wear it every day. Dear <laughs> <laughs> dear to my heart. So yeah, I was like, oh, if this isn't the, the page for us, page 43 with the um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she said, if I was working toward perfect, working being the operative word, these girls had already reached it and had maintaining had maintaining it looking effortless. I'd also say both of these girls are like obviously well off. One of them had early years in Paris where her yeah. family lived while her dad did graduate work at the Sabonne. Sabonne? Sabonne? I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just saying crazy things, but that sounds good though to me. <laughs> but ugh, gross. I would not keep this job. I would be like, no, thank you. So yeah, they're mean to her basically all day. They don't let her answer any questions. Anytime a uh, customer comes up and asks a question, they're like, I'll be right with you. They don't really let her even do anything. And then she's like, and then they go to lunch and she's like, oh, I'll stay at the desk and then take my lunch after. So there's someone here. And they both just looked at her and they were like, mm, no. We'll all go to lunch at the same time. Jeez, I would have walked out after the first day. The fact that she came back makes her a much better person than I am. Yeah, 100%. I mean, she just does it because she's like, Jason is trusting me to do this and wants me to do this. So I guess I have to do it. And has as his executive assistant, I must oblige him. <laughs> yeah, literally. Since he is my boss. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So then at the end of the day, she's like, all right, I'll see you guys tomorrow. And Bethany's like, oh, right. See you tomorrow. Okay, girls, maybe maybe be nicer to other women. I don't know. Just a thought. Just a thought. So then she goes home and she's telling her mom that she doesn't really like it. And her mom's like, well, you're, you're supposed to love it. They wouldn't call it work, right? Which is like the most mom thing oh. to say. 
<laughs> of all time. So then she basically says, oh, and we also talked about this in the Discord because we talked about Albert Camus, Camus because she uses it as a quote, I think in the beginning of Dreamland it was, or was it this lullaby? Yes, it's Dreamland, I believe. Yes, that is correct. And we were talking in the Discord about how to pronounce it. So shout out to our Discord ladies. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, I guess that she was like basically telling her she was pronouncing Camus wrong and she wasn't. And But, you know, she was being rude, so she just stuck with it. So she ends up like talking to Jason about it a little bit, I think. Yeah, when she emails him. And he, of course, is very... She says, he didn't sound like my boyfriend as much as middle management. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, he's like, you're not uh, putting your full attention into the job. Who cares about these girls? Like, you need to just handle that directly. Which is like, bro. What? Like, realistically. No. These are teenage girls that are being mean to her on purpose. Like, you have to realize that there's nothing. She can approach them, but they're just going to be mean. Like, she just needs to quit, in my opinion. Yep. So then she's kind of talking about how um, she never, well, her and her mom start like cleaning up the kitchen. Her and her mom are like the very organized ones. Caroline and her dad were more of the sloppy, easygoing ones. And then we kind of find out too that her dad was also the more affectionate of the two parents. He was very loving. He would hug her to the point of, you know, crushing her ribs uh, ruffle her hair. He was just like very sweet and loving where her mom is more of like a a destined mom. She's not very like affectionate, but she loves her in her own way, I guess. Kind of like a Jason, but not as cold. Yeah. So she's like, all right, I'm just tired. It's fine. Tomorrow will be better. So she goes upstairs after dinner and she writes an email to Jason and she says, I know it may seem petty to you, all this info desk drama, but I guess I just really miss you and I'm lonely and it's hard to go to a place where you're so spectacularly unwelcome. I'll just be really happy when you're home. She writes, I love you. And then she sends it. She goes back onto her roof. She can see a Lakeview Mall. Shout out from there. And she kind of brings us back to the past where when Caroline used to live with her in their old house, she used to sneak out through Macy's window all the time to like go party and like be with boys and be kind of wild. And Macy said she's never really been like that. It's the exact opposite of like dreamland where it's like the younger sisters, like the perfect goody two shoes and the older sisters kind of this rebellious wild one. So I just kind of thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And then we find out that Caroline's husband is 10 years older than her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got Wally from Raleigh. Um, Wally from Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> He's an up-and-coming lawyer. He's 10 years older than her. She kept him as a secret from their parents, but after the funeral, things got a little bit more serious, and then he asked her to marry him. 
Um, oh, I have a new BFF match on Bumble. Hey now. Hey. Um, BFF, how do you, potential BFF, how do you feel about Zaratas? <laughs> I'm going to make or break it. <laughs> My like bio is like, I host a Saradasin podcast and uh, progressive political beliefs are a must because <laughs> I'm in the deep South, y'all. I'm realizing I'm in the deep South. I, I didn't realize I was going to be in the deep South and now here I am. And literally everyone's bios are like, I love Jesus and I love working out and I love watching football on Sundays. And I'm like, oh my God, it's very hard. It's going to be hard for me to make friends. You not apply. Thank you. My mother the other day at the park was like, what's that fountain? Probably something Confederate. And I was like, I don't don't think so. Like Chatham County. I got to like. I am in the like Bible Belt, Deep South, but I was like, Chatham County is like pretty progressive. And I was like, I don't think we would in this county, maybe in other places in Georgia, you would still have Confederate statues up. And I was like, but I don't think like here we roll like that. And so she approaches the fountain. She goes, don't see any Confederate things. Okay, you can take a picture by it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, go right on. But anyway, back to the church. We are talking about Caroline's wedding. She says... At the time, it seemed fast, really fast. All of this took longer than it sounds, summing it up. But at the time, it seemed fast, really fast. One day, Caroline was tumbling in my window. The next, I was standing at the front of a church, all too aware of my Uncle Mike walking her down the aisle towards Wally. Yeah, that's it's like that was a really interesting line to me because I'm like, yes, like when you sum things up, you're like, you know, tell a story that spans like years, but you tell it in like five minutes and you're like, wow, that really is like minimizing the amount of time that this was but right it was a lot of time and yeah yeah, people were saying that caroline needed a father figure she's too young she shouldn't be getting married right after graduation blah 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 but it seems like she really loves wally and wally really loves her so even though there's like this creepy 10 years 10 year age gap oh god you know that's kind of tricky to think about i mean i know what she if she graduated she said she basically got her degree and a husband within like the same month so let's say she graduates college about 22 23 that's the average ish age for undergrad then obviously everyone has their own path and that's not everyone's timeline but on average that's the timeline right if she didn't have like a gap year or anything but it sounds like they were dating. Like she said, she kept him a secret from the parents. And it was after the funeral that things got more serious. So it sounds like they were dating probably for a hot minute before then. Because so I was like, okay, well, like she's in her 20s. Yeah, there's a 10-year age gap. But like, but I don't know. I don't know exactly when they started dating. And it's still just kind of like, were they at the same parts of their life? Are all these people saying the whispers of that she just needed a father figure potentially onto something? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, we said it about Ashley in Mm -hmm. that summer. And I feel like there could be an argument here for Caroline about this. But But to be fair, they were dating before her dad died. True. So it's not like she just like went to him after. So, right. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm overall happy for her that she has Wally and... I'm sad that her dad can be there to walk her down the aisle, even though I think that's a patriarchal bullshit thing. But still, tradition is tradition, and I do like it. I had both my parents walk me down the aisle to make it slightly less 
whatever and I told my officiants one of the first things I told her which she's a dear friend she was like my sister um I told her I didn't want to have any of that who gives this woman away bs because I was like me me me, myself and I (laughs) yeah yeah I was saying that too like we were watching love is blind which is excellent tv and during the wedding they're like who gives this woman away and i like turned to andrew and i was like oh we gotta make sure beth doesn't do that our officiant her his cousin beth and i'm like we gotta make sure that beth doesn't do that because i don't want that and i also we also tell her not to mention anything about god yeah yeah there was no no god and and no who gives this woman away that was important to me i was like we're not religious and i am my own person so anyway Back to this book. Caroline and Wally. Good for them, I think, overall. Overall, I think we're happy for them. Yeah, but I think this so. is kind of where, like, she's talking about how her and her sister are different and how, like, Caroline sometimes will, you know, call because now she obviously, like, she went off to college and, well, technically she lived with them because she stayed local, but she was in college. Now, obviously, she's moved out because she's Mrs. Wally Thurber and she lives in Atlanta. Hello, fellow Georgian, represent. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to the state of Georgia, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, so she's saying how, you know, she'll call and be like, it's Friday night. Why are you at home studying for the SATs? Like, go be a teenager. And it's like, yeah, like, I feel like she's at this point in her life where she's her boyfriend's executive assistant. She's trying to be perfect for her mom. And she's not doing like, you know, the crazy teenage things. And her sister's like, dude, go be a teenager. Mm-hmm. yes yeah and she's like she's like i can't even imagine like telling jason to come pick me up at midnight he'd be like um i have yoga in the morning what are you talking about <laughs> right which i was like how oh, great yeah. <laughs> oh jason he's something so then we kind of find out that work doesn't get better bethany she says that the initial treatment of from bethany and amanda was actually nice and now they were even worse barely speaking to her she so then she has a weekend by herself her mom is down at the coast for the weekend at a conference and this is where we find out that they have a second home on the beach in for themselves (laughs) yeah seriously andrew always talks about like okay so if we ever have a second home and i'm like okay andrew let's focus on the first one one for (laughs) all right let's relax um But they have a they have a beach house in Colby. It was her father's house. He bought it before he met her mom. So again, you can tell that these people are from a different generation than us because he was able to buy a house on his own on the beach <laughs> when he was a bachelor. So it's like a very much like his place. It's still decorated like he decorated it. It's like his little spot. And she just like cannot bring herself to go back there because it would be like too much like it. it her grief is too heavy to face that but we also get a little nod here so they would go to this house and they'd be hanging out on the beach and then they would go to this hole in the wall place called the last chance where the waitresses knew him by name shout out yes and i was like i know those waitresses by name (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that they know joe that makes me happy I know. I love that we get to see the last chance again. Keeping the moon is like, oh, so special to me. I can't even. So then she comes home on Friday afternoon. The house is completely empty and she's feeling very, very alone. And she checks her email 
and there is an email from her boss, Jason. And (laughs) basically he says like, your last email was really concerning. I think you have become way too dependent on me. And I don't think that I can really give you any sort of commitment because senior year is crucial in terms of my ideological and academic goals. Like what is ideological goals? What? So he's like, I think it's best for us to take a break. And then at the end of the summer, we can reassess and see what the best solution is. And he's like, and I'm sure you agree. Um, It just makes sense. It's like so cold, so sterile, just like this. It's like getting fired. Also, she's dependent on you because you've made it that way because you won't like let her hang out with anyone else. So literally fuck right off. Right. Fuck right off the hill. (laughs) Right. And also like, is she dependent on you or does she just say that she loves you and she misses you? Which is like fairly normal for a relationship that's been a year and a half. But all right, there, boss. Right. But yeah, it is very much like you've been fired for being my girlfriend. Thanks. We'll reevaluate at the end of the summer. Yeah. So she's like, okay, now I feel even more alone. Excellent. So she's like, I just got to get out of there. So she gets in her car and she just starts to kind of driving around, which I used to do in high school all the time. Like I would just be like, okay, I just need to like drive around and blast brand new and taking back Sunday and like get, get in my feels. And while she's on her way back, she is at a stoplight. She's looking around. She's seeing all these people, college girls, families, and all this stuff. And then she sees the white Wish catering van. She sees Mm -hmm. Delilah driving, somebody in the passenger seat. And she says, I'm not a spontaneous person, but when you're alone in the world, really alone, you have no choice but to be open to suggestions. Those four letters, like the ones I'd written to Jason, had many meanings and no guarantees. Still, as the van turned onto a side street i read that wish again it seemed as a good time seemed as good a time as any to believe so when my light dropped to green and i could go i put myself in gear and followed them that's the beginning of the story and you say fate y'all Yep, I'm so excited to dive into this one we're off to a great start she's off to follow a wish and I can't wait to see where that leads her. I mean, I know, but I can't wait to reminisce about where it leads her. I can't wait. Such a good book. And there is nothing like being so broken and lost and finding that community of like service industry friends and family. Like I cannot say enough, like the service industry you will find the people you hate the most there, but you will also find the people that you love the most. And it's, it's really comforting atmosphere at times. So for sure, I'm really excited to see another service industry story, love story. Yes. I think that's exactly what Macy needs at her time. You need a little chaos and the service industry is definitely going to provide that, but also provides a lot of, yeah, love and community. And she 100% needs that. So Yay! Let's go. I'm pumped. I can't Thanks wait. Thanks everyone for uh, joining us. We'll be back next week with some more truth about forever. Like land call call to action. 
Yes, you can join our Patreon. It's $3 a month. You gain access to our Discord where we talk all things Dessin and then just like general chit chat. Um, we are having a lot of fun over there. So join us. I think someday we might do some Patreon exclusive, but we're not there yet. Where we finish that Prince Harry book. <laughs> yeah. If we ever finish Prince Harry's book, maybe we'll cover it. But honestly, I think it's going to be a do not finish for me. I'm trying, y'all. I'm going to get I'm, through it. Maybe. We'll see. we'll see. And follow us on Instagram at SpinnerBaitPod. Tell your friends. Tell your sisters. Tell your cousins. Tell everyone about us. And check out, so this woman makes these really cool pencils, and she is making Sarah Dessen pencils, um, and she's sending them to me and Bethany, and I'm really excited about it. And her name, the company is called Longhand Pencils. She is dropping a Sarah Dessen exclusive line. She also has a bunch of other books and themes, and they're really cool. So check her out. It's at Longhand Pencils on Instagram. They're very cool. Yes, I'm very excited to get them. They're super cute. And yeah, I'm very excited, like I said, to to carry on with this guy. 